Hi, you're listening to Elevate, the podcast. Thanks so much for tuning in. Social media is not inherently good or inherently bad. It's all in how it's used. They're finding it harder to even find a free time between them and their friend because their friend is also just as timetabled out. And then therefore they retreat to their phones as a way of feeling connected. I think it's important for kids to explain their authentic selves and show who they are as opposed to blending in with what everybody else is doing on social media. Welcome to the Elevate podcast, a series designed to explore teachings, ideas, and thoughts on empowering young girls while celebrating difference. I'm Ramita Anand, your host, teacher, and educational mentor, and I'll be chatting with insightful activists, thought leaders, creatives, and all-round brilliant champions for girls. Through these conversations and my work at Elevate RA Mentoring Services, I hope we can join forces to foster meaningful connections in order to alter the narrative around what being different, especially for young girls, signifies. Thank you, everyone, for being here today. It's great uh, to have you on board, really. I'm delighted to be here and share some of the knowledge that I've acquired through the things that Priya's just mentioned um, from my experience. Now, I don't want to at all preface by telling you all of this by saying I'm some sort of expert on social media. I am not, but I have been very fortunate to work with people in education, in uh, with head teachers, educational psychologists, clinical psychologists, and therapists, and obviously with young people themselves for for a number of years. And obviously being a mum of a teen has taught me a lot. So really what today is about is sharing that information. I'm passionate about getting as much information out there with all of us as, as we can. And we are continually learning because it's an evolving uh, phenomenon, isn't it? So I think why many of you are here today, I'm, I feel like you are here like me, because you find the big convoluted web we know as social media to be tantalizing and demoralizing in equal measures. We are all on some level really drawn into the invitation of being more connected to the lives, especially in the current climate, with our friends, our family, acquaintances, and of course, even the access now to feel connected to celebrities is so, it's so readily available. And so therefore, the huge uptake to devices and certain apps is really not all that surprising. As an adult, however, we are completely capable, maybe not accepting, but we are capable of understanding that our brains are being manipulated by the various platforms that make up the landscape of social media. Accepting and learning about the science behind dopamine addiction is important, but sometimes it's barely manageable for us as grown-ups. So how then do we expect our young, impressionable tweens and teens who are grappling with self-confidence issues on a daily basis to navigate this. It's essential for us, our youth, that they don't equate their happiness with the number of likes on their latest selfie or TikTok video. Ensuring that our children are happy has never been more important, especially as we see bullying and societal pressure that has risen to incredible heights thanks to the impossible standards of social media, Photoshop, filters that are used far too frequently. I think celebrating individuality, experiencing happiness in simple joys seems to have gotten lost along the way and we probably need to readdress this balance. 
one of the very first things I wanted to say to you is how much young people are relaying to adults, teachers, other people, to us, which is to really be mindful and considered as parents and educators, how busy we keep our kids or just to sort of keep an eye on that, because especially when they get older and into the teen years, that the school days get longer, homework gets incredibly tougher. And so that on top of playing any sports, learning an instrument, going to any kind of religious schools, learning an additional language, having lessons on that means that their days are so filled and packed that the actual downtime that they get to hang out with their friends becomes so limited and they finding it harder to even find a free time between them and their friend because their friend is also just as busy or just as timetabled out that they can't find opportunities to hang and then therefore they retreat to their phones as a way of feeling connected and that is something that probably we need to find a way to strike a better balance um, and look at the external factors that are keeping our, our kids connected. I think when they're younger, it's a lot easier to do. First of all, you have less pressures, but we, we as parents take ownership of their play dates and we schedule social fun time. But I think kids probably, we make a greater conscious effort of allowing them some freedoms to see their friends in person. It might obviously in a post-COVID world, this is hard in, a, in, in the situations many of us find in now, I know. So I think cutting them a little bit of slack in this period is, is definitely warranted. So despite the many wonderful ways in which social media can and does connect us, there are studies that are showing a growing body of evidence that concludes that it is doing actively doing more harm than good to our mental health. And it will continue to do so if, and this is the big if, if it remains unregulated. You know, this phenomenon is explored in incredible detail in the recent eye-opening Netflix documentary, which I'm sure many of you have already seen. Um, but if you haven't, it's called The Social Dilemma. And the movie uses a combination of dramatized stories with professional commentary from industry insiders to show us the dangers of social media. Now, I'm not here to do any kind of scaremongering. And I don't want to, you know, panic anybody. But all I wanted to share was one study that I think relates to our uh, group of, of attendees today, which was a study done in by a doctor in, in New York who looked specifically at the hospitalization rates for preteen girls. So these are girls aged between 10 and 14. And the year that social media became readily available on our mobile devices, the rate of hospitalizations for young girls due to self-harm went up by an alarming 189%. Now that's triple in five years. And I don't think while I don't want to scare you, I don't think we can ignore the correlation here. And of course, this study was done in the US and it was done on girls. But I think there's enough data out there for us to at least take the learning from that or the takeaway that this is a trend that is being seen across the globe in different parts. And probably with boys, maybe not to the same degree, but, you know, with with all children in that age bracket, just because of how young and impressionable they are. We also know that the 24-7 nature of social media has negative health effects, obviously on all children, but especially for teens who are already struggling and have vulnerabilities in other areas, such as learning challenges. These kids look to their phones and their social media pages for the number of likes they have, probably on a much more acute scale. They literally don't want to be away from their devices in fear. They want it when they're doing their homework, 
they want it when they're hanging out with their friends and even when they go to bed they sort of need that security from them even more if we don't watch it carefully and when there were some surveys done there were three main benefits that these children sort of offered and I think it comes from feeling isolated or alienated in schools otherwise or in social situations and they sort of reported back that they found they felt more connected accepted and supported online so there are benefits to our children obviously having said all of these things that can you know that are negative but that we want to counterbalance this argument and there are you know there are areas where social media plays a really positive effect on children and it's we can't ignore those if you do get a chance to listen to my podcast i did get the opportunity to speak to the deputy education director of of the UK in girls education. And he spoke to me about the number of schools reporting how many young girls are actually loving the social media aspect or the apps that allow them, especially in the online learning world, to connect with girls and boys across the world, developing apps, coding things with them, designing projects with them. All of that has, and getting a whole different cultural diversity aspect to their learning. So I do think we can't ignore what a great resource social media and the digital age in general is bringing to our education, to us feeling connected and having fun if we let it be managed in the right way. So like it or not, Social media is part of the teen ecosystem. The omnipresence of social media is not something that's going to disintegrate too quickly. So either we get on board or we lose out. And if I can just say we can't beat them, let's join them is what I would think, really. And I think, you know, it's important for me to highlight that social media is not inherently good or inherently bad. It's all in how it's used. Instead of banning it or hiding from it, I think what we really need to do is embrace it. We have to equip our children with ways to use it to its advantages. And I do believe that it's our youth today that are going to be the generation who change our future for the good. I feel like they are going to be the ones that are going to rectify all the errors that our generation is making. And we're already seeing some of this in present times. So I think one of the first things to say to all parents and all educators is always start from a place of positivity and optimism. Equip the children with all the do's and the strengths of social media instead of only focusing on the don'ts. It's really important that we let them feel how great this whole process can be if we use it wisely. So to that end, you're at a place now where you are ready to embrace, or you already have, if you have older teens, embrace social media, and you're asking yourself, what as parents, what as teachers can we do? As soon as our kids feel informed about our points of view and they feel included in any kind of process, you'll find this with anything, I think, um, if they feel heard, they'll be more willing to engage with us. So my top, top, top tip is to set up a contract like seriously, a legal contract, which is really how you want to set it up for children. If they feel like they're being taken seriously and you are both clear on expectations right from the start from both parties about what is expected from each other right from the beginning, you'll set yourself up for a smoother online journey. The contract needs to cover probably both ends of this balancing act. One, in terms of access to the devices, and then two, what they're allowed to do on it. So I would really set it up as formally as you would if you were to engage a, a legal person to come into your house and set up a, you know, a, a contract for you. Get out your computer, take out poster paper, 
get out your tips and markers and have negotiations, have proper conversations. If there are any lawyers out there today, maybe you can put in some tips into the chat box on how, what kind of lines parents can use. But having everything aired out and have it out openly and honestly can be a really important thing for children to feel like, well, my mom's or my dad is taking me really seriously. So let, I, I will also be very serious with them. The other thing I would suggest is once you've got this and we'll get to how we get to the final contract, but I think once you've got it, I would print it out. I would enlarge it. I would put it somewhere visible. So it's available for everybody in the house to see. Um, hopefully in a not too distant future, you'll have grandparents and relatives visiting the home again or someone looking after your children when you're not in. Um, and it would not be a too far off the mark to expect a teen to say, of course, I'm allowed to have my phone when I do my homework and if that isn't something you've agreed um you know grandma or grandpa can check that on the contract because it's right there and there's just no arguments I know you know it's part of a team's job I think to test boundaries so uh, having it really visible and clear and you know maybe your kids are much better at sticking to rules but I know mine certainly would test me on these things so it's helpful to have it written out and and clearly laid out somewhere for them the other thing that's really complicated, I think, is an overwhelming is the minefield of apps that are out there for the kids. So I've taken a little bit of time to prepare a little information sheet or some decks that have all the popular apps that Priya very kindly said she would email this doc. So don't worry, you will get this in, in an email after the presentation. Um, or we can share the screen now if you'd like, Priya. I don't know how you want to do that. But it's... Um, but you will get it. So not to worry. It's a document that has all the legal ages for the different apps. I've looked at the most popular apps for teens, at least for now, that could change tomorrow because there's stuff developing all the time. So it's current at the moment, but it may not be current soon. So I would just, you know, just to be informed, I think is important whether or not your teen engages with all of those apps. Um, may, it may not be relevant for you, but you can peruse that at your own leisure and uh, you can have a look at it then. So examples of things to include um, in the contract, I think obviously boundaries to unplug and switch off, not to mention the time limits on usage. Oh yeah, there it is. Thanks Priya. Um, so it's basically a whole set of slides like that that has categorized uh, information on texting apps, visual apps, photo apps, yeah. And what the a little bit of information about each. So hopefully that will help you. Um, it's important to know just to be informed, I think, what yeah. So yes, in this in this contract, the number of times social media sites are checked is probably really important. But also at the time of designing the rules, I would design the consequences. I think children need to understand that there are real consequences. When they're teens and tweens, they only think in the present. And Fair enough. I don't think they want to or should be worried about what might come up about what they've written on their post today when they are applying for college or jobs later on. Yet, I think those dangers do exist and we have to be careful about explaining what a consequence is to a child. So modeling that in the house is really important. And I think it's important for us as parents to make these consequences whilst we're in the middle of our negotiations at the start of the journey. There's nothing worse than being in a heated moment, catching your teen, breaking a rule 
school and then at that point making a really unrealistic demand of them saying right i've banned your phone you're not having it for three months which you know is not something you can practically follow through on so that brings me to my next point which is make sure you can follow through on the consequences and that you do do so because i think if they get away with it something at the start then they will continually keep testing the thing i know it's very hard for us parents to be the person that is the bearer of bad news. But I would really encourage you to bear that whole, you are the worst parent ever, I roll for the weekend because it will make you the best parent in later situations. And you will do yourself and your child lots of favors if they understand that actions have consequences. So, you know, uh, it does take, you know, you have to crack a few eggs, don't you, to make an omelet. So I would, I would, really encourage you to to be to take that stance when you need to, when time comes um, once you've agreed on all the apps that you've decided to allow your your teen to have or your tween to have i would then download every single one of those apps onto your phone too i know that's not great for storage and data and all the rest of it and it's not, you may not want to uh, use any of them and that's totally fine but i think it's good for you to know and i think part of the contract you need to let your teen know that you will be following, friending, being able to see who they are on and, and have all their usernames and passwords for all the different apps. That's really important for you to have because you I do think as parents, especially at the start of the online journey, you want to know who they're following and who's following your children. So just make that clear to your child that if they are if they are going to be allowed this app, then that these are the parameters around which they are going to have to be. You can obviously promise them not to ruin their online reputation by commenting or liking any of their posts. I think that's an important thing to remember. We don't want to do, harm them in there in that world. But just to be a sort of a silent observer of things from the background is, is probably key. And each family, of course, will have their own moral compass. How we navigate our own rules and regulations is highly personal. And what matters to one family may not matter to another. So being very transparent about this and your discussions with your child also among you and your spouse or partner is important because you'll be surprised how many times what you think is okay with one parent isn't so okay with the other. So it's important for our kids to hear it from both from anyone looking after them so any carer that's in the house that might be with your child is engage all of them and explain to your child that every different households with your friends will have different things and sometimes it's hard for teens to accept why their friend is allowed something that they're not but it's important for them to understand that they're your rules for your home and that you they don't always match everybody else's and you will know your child. Some of the examples of this type of thing is I know parents who, for example, on photo um, apps will have rules around children not posting anything uh, below their shoulders, so headshots only, nothing below that. I know other parents that will say, I want no physical images of you or your friends on it. It can only be pictures of what you're eating, what you're drinking, the scenery in front of you. Um, at least at the beginning of this contract, you are not to post any pictures. Now, these are highly personal. I'm just giving you examples of the things that different parents talk to us about. The other thing I would suggest is, although it's not great, but having being prepared for disappointment, I speak to them about the fact that there, as much as we like to believe that all people are as kind-hearted as, as we are or our children are, that not everybody else is. And there are people out there that might say hurtful things or comment things that are untoward. So, and, and to tell them what to do when they feel hurt by a comment, explain to them to come and share it with you, to talk to you about it, um, not to internalize it. The other great thing to talk to them about, which isn't 
wonderful to experience. You're having your child sort of feel excluded because they found out something was on the internet that they weren't included into. So FOMO is prevalent. It's a real thing. It's um, the fear of missing out for anyone that doesn't know that acronym already. Um, it's not great, obviously, to, to watch your teen experience that, but I think preparing them allows them to deal with the disappointment a little bit better. The other thing I want to highlight to you is that a lot of children get away from the friending their parent and sharing content with their parents online by having multiple accounts under pseudo names. I don't, you know, some of you may already know this, but I just wanted to make you aware of the fact that if you tell your children that that is something you know is happening and that it's not an expectation you have of your child, that you want to create this honest, open communication with them, then hopefully you won't have to deal with that later on. And it's just something to be aware of, really. Our children also seem to forget about this idea about oh, it's just 24 hours, whatever that joke was, it was really funny. It was only meant for one of my friends and you know it's gonna be deleted anyway. But I think we really have to remind them that there is something called a screenshot. And so whilst they think it's a 24 hour self-destructing app, a screenshot is forever. And if somebody does take a screenshot of something that they don't find funny or they don't find uh, helpful, then you know our kids have to take responsibility for that. So they really need to be prepared to post, comment, or put anything out there that they're happy for anybody to see. I would also encourage you as parents to just do spot checks, check their browser history, just keep an eye on things. As they, especially when they first start, they'll get bombarded with information. There's just so much out there and there'll be topics and vocabulary and things that they will come across that they may not have heard before. And you want to make sure that if they are Googling things and they don't want to know things that you are there for them to lean on, should they need that? The other great thing I want to do is remember I said to start from a place of positivity. So I think it's really important to talk to them about how social media can be used as a force for good. We've seen that with the Black Lives Matter movement. We've seen it with, with climate change initiatives. You know, show them how many wonderful benefits there are and how they can be a contributor towards one of these great initiatives. Remind them that everything that they post, everything, whatever it is, a text, a a photo it can be seen and it will be seen as if for them to use their social media as an ongoing press conference after a really big game and that they've been handed this mic you know and all their friends their follower and potentially the world is their audience so to really be mindful of how they can use this platform for, for greater good I would also encourage you as a family to have fun together with it I know they'll cringe and they probably won't want you to um, but at least offer up the fact that you'd love to try a TikTok video with them, for example. Um, or if they're really interested in certain sports people or you know, topics or singers, or if you find a YouTube video or articles on it, send it to them, engage them on it, you know, show them you're interested. And our teens may not show us that they care, but I think your interest in their life means a lot. And just dipping into their interests in their world for a little while, um, can really create a nice atmosphere in the house. And, and social media doesn't always have to be such a daunting topic. It can be a fun thing. Um, display superpowers. I, I'm a big pro advocate about children having superpowers and all kids have power. And I think if we encourage our children to share those superpowers on their social media sites. So if they're really good dancers or if they're really good gymnasts or they're fantastic swimmers or they can code ways to get cleaner water to impoverished areas, to share this on social media. I think what we find is that parents like to share this with their friends on their accounts, but children are often more interested in sharing the 
their flavor of bubble tea, you know, on Instagram or on whatever app they're on, which isn't a bad thing at all. Obviously, that's important. Bubble tea is very important to teens. But what I want them to feel is empowered and that they, what they can do is inspire other children as well. Um, if they find a new bike trail, if they've hiked a new mountain or something that they've discovered at the weekend, to share that. If they've been involved in charity events, get their other friends involved in it. And I think that can be a really nice way to use social media for the force of good. Not in an arrogant way, obviously. It's important to encourage their humility as well. But I just, you get the idea. I think it's important for kids to explain who their authentic selves and show who they are, as opposed to blending in with what everybody else is doing on social media. Um, there's obviously a lot of talk on cyberbullying. So I would encourage your children to talk about cyber back and sticking up for others we need to teach our kids when they see someone being put down to back them up with kind words encourage them to send lots of heart emojis do something kind for the person who has been hurt so shutting down bullies by building up the bullied i think is a really great strategy Another very key area that I really want parents to think about is actively listening. And active listening is something that I talk about anyway, and, not, and we want children to be good listeners. But I think one of the ways we can do that is by role modeling our own good listening skills. Um, if they are telling us something, make ourselves completely present for them. If they want to share something and we're in the middle of a work call or whatever it is, to make that time to talk to your teen so important for the teen to understand that they've got your undivided attention um, because there will be information on racism, gender biases, sexuality, all out there for them. And they might be confused, but give them as many possibilities that there are for you to listen. And the thing with parents, and I think it comes from such an instinctive good place, is that we want to run to solutions quickly. But it's important to remember that sometimes our teens don't want solutions. They just want to be heard. So if they are telling you something, just give them your 100% attention, eye contact, engage with them be open to it and hold back on any opinions or solutions. I think if we offer any judgment or interrupt them or we give them any counter arguments, then they will be less likely to want to come and talk to us. So just in, like we probably already do that and it's great. I'm sure we're all wonderful listeners anyway, but just a reminder that if we, and then we model this, they'll hopefully when we talk to them, they won't be looking down on their phones and say, yeah, school was fine, school was fine. They'll also look up and give us eye contact. Um, it comes over time. It doesn't always happen, but it's, it's something to, to hopefully work towards. Um, the one aspect that I am going to urge, and obviously everything else is so personal, but the one thing that I'm going to urge and insist all parents really work towards in their contract is keeping devices and phones out of bedrooms overnight. I heard this firstly from Ariana Huffington, and I think it's a really great piece of advice to offer parents, is to set up a physical bed a charging station for all devices outside bedrooms. And you can make it sweet. You can have a little blankie. You can do whatever you want. But it's really important to do the physical act of tucking your devices in, covering them up with the blanket, and even kissing them goodnight if you need to. Um, because the importance of recharging your devices is parallel to the importance of recharging our brains. And in order to get yourselves recharged and our children recharged, they really need to be switched off. I know this is going to sound almost impossible if you've got older teens, but giving yourself an hour between bedtime and the last time you've looked at a device is ideal. It's optimum. It may not be possible, but I think if you can 
work towards as close to that as possible and give your children time to read or draw or just talk to you in that last hour before bed, it will allow their uh, brains to be less stimulated so that they can go into that deeper, sounder sleep, which we know the benefits of a good sleep on the impact on the central nervous system, what it can do to our focus, attention, mood, concentration the next day is massive. So I don't think I need to get into all of that science right now, but it is important um, clearly then for parents to model their own healthy relationships with screens and social media as well. And I've hand up high, have started putting my phone to bed outside as well. And it, it is nice not to reach for it in the morning. And I know kids will say, but I need it for an alarm clock. I really rely on it, mommy, or it's got to do with my homework get them an alarm clock. And if their friends need them, they can phone them. They don't need to text them. We can hear the phone ringing from whatever room it is. So I think that's really important for us to remember uh, that we need to really take charge of this and, and model ourselves what we want our kids to do. They do look to us for that. Um, of course, I think parents should be seeking out additional support uh, for teens with underlying or any kind of social emotional struggles. We know, I would really watch your child if they've been connected to social media and just talk about their behaviors afterwards. Do they seem a little bit more irritable or do they come down after having a great Snapchat session and they're really upbeat? Call their attention to what you're seeing in their mood and behavior. And then you can determine whether or not they need to make a change in this contract or their activities around social media. So it's an evolving document. It's something that can be renewed at any time. Clearly our phones normally get renewed and a contract gets renewed after a year, but you and your team can revisit your your contract that's the beauty of it being your contract um, whenever you need it so after three months if you notice that right actually we need to reassess this or you are a little bit too young for this app perhaps the content on there isn't right for you or just reassess all of that it's just important to monitor it um, my closing thoughts and, and, and I'll open it up to questions soon is that these are just a few of things that I put together for you. It's an amalgamation of ideas. Um, clearly this is an online education needs to be addressed both in at homes and at schools. And I think schools are doing a great job at talking about internet safety. I think most schools offer talks to parents on internet safety. I would encourage all parents to attend those or log on to them as they're happening online. Um, because we do run the risk of depriving our next generation of leaders of the skills that they need to navigate one of the greatest influencers on their social development if we don't focus on it. Empowering them is key. And I really do have to say thank you to all of you for being here today because that is the first step, just talking and hearing what types of resources are out there and available for you. I know many of you have heard the facts before and you're aware of the association between self-esteem and external validation through social media. None of this is new information. However, it is shocking that we still haven't sufficiently equipped our teens to deal with the enormity of the risks these dilemmas present. So I think we can and we are doing better to address this. And I think you being here is, um, fills me with gratitude. I'm really grateful for this conversation and I can't thank you enough for being here and taking the time to listen. So thank you very much. That brings us to the end of our, my, my talk. Um, and I thought we would leave it open to you all now if you have any questions. Thank you so much. There's so many tips. Oh, I'm glad you thought so. I'm really happy. There's just, a, it's an overwhelming world, isn't it? And so I think as you can break it down 
a little bit uh, into into a, something called a contract and it doesn't feel so scary because it's a document mm -hmm. as opposed to information flying in from everywhere oh we have a question in the q a from landau uh, they say my 11 year old seems more nervous lately when she started her sixth grade. We never put educational pressure on her, but she is kind of putting it on herself. She is kind of upset if she didn't do things or get grades perfectly. How, how can I help her loosen up and relax more? Thank you. Oh, bless yeah. her. Um, so 11 is a funny time, isn't it? There's so much changing in that area of development. It, 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 was, a, it was a daughter as well. I believe so. Yeah. Girl. yeah, okay. Yeah, so girls at 11, I think, have all sorts of things they're trying to navigate. Loosen up and have fun is so important. If you loosen up and tell her what, you know, I think one of the great things that I talk about is all of this is something that we're creating in our brains, right? And it's, it's something that I'm really passionate about telling our children. If we, especially teens, if we make friends with our brain, all the information that our brain is talking to us about is something that we are feeding it. But, so we also have control to decide you can be the boss of your brain and then you can be friends with your brain so when these negative thoughts come into your brain have a conversation with it and say why are you telling me that and what is the proof around me to suggest that i am going to do badly it's really important for them to understand that all of this stuff when it comes as they get closer to senior school they start to think all of this at 11 what what's the worst thing that can happen tomorrow at school if you fail this test at 11 is it really going to affect your university applications or your job application or whatever it is is it going to stop you from being the millionaire youtuber that you want to be i don't think so no one's going to ask you what happened in grade six geography or what it is whatever it is that's worried um that they're worried about but if it's to do with friendships and things i think that's another great thing that girls worry about it's a big concern for lots of parents and i think that is conversations, bringing all the friends over and just sort of seeing how your daughter interacts or possibly breaking up bigger social groups into smaller friendship uh, things. I don't know if that answers your question, but it can help uh, alleviate kind of the anxiety around being in how do I act in this group or making new friendships um, without knowing more specifics about what her triggers are. I can't offer you specific advice, but I would be happy to talk to you or you can drop me an email if you want to let me know what it is exactly that's triggering these uh, mood swings or this anxious behavior around her. Thank you. I was wondering, so um, the contract is generally for people who are the kids that are just starting social media. Is it yes. applicable for kids who are also already on social media to then build a contract with them? Yeah, it's really, it, it is. You're right. So I started it from tweens where people are just embracing this idea, but I think mm -hmm. you're right. I think kids that already have devices, it can be a really great time for reset. The whole family is having a reset. It, obviously, it's still January. We can still talk about New Year's <laughs> new goals, or you can start on February 1st and say, right, family time. We're going to have a little bit of a reset in the house, and we're all going to address this, including your 16-year-old, your 18-year-old, whoever you might have in the house. Um, they might not be willing, and they might question it, but I think if you can, like I said, if you can make them feel part of the conversation, they will probably engage with you a bit more. Okay, fantastic. Um, do you extend this, uh, like your contract or your approach to this to online video games where they're interacting with people online while playing? That, that is such a good question. Um, I am, yeah, I, I think it's absolutely important to do the same type of thing with online video games. I know, especially right now, that is the only way a lot of children are reporting that they can see their friends is through these games. Um, so I, I wouldn't take it away, but I do think setting boundaries and parameters around it is important. Yes, I okay. do. 
Um, and the rules that you set up, like like taking photos only from the shoulders up, is it important that parents follow those rules too, or are they specifically for the child, or is it a personal decision? Yeah, you know, obviously, again, that's another really great question. I think that's important. <laughs> that is really important. I think I think we are we are, you know they model us they model after us. But I think the difference is that you have to let your child know at some point you're an adult making decisions right for your adult friends and you control who are your followers so if you trust your following um and you are able you post photos of the whole family and 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 all of them on a beach or whatever and you've got no issues with that then the child needs to understand why you're okay with that at that point in your development so i don't know if it has to be exactly the same but i think it, it doesn't hurt if you want to start like that with with the kids. Okay, great. Um, and how do you start having the conversation about separating self-esteem from um, likes and clicks and shares and that kind of thing? Uh, I think talking about how curated these photos are and how mm-hmm. important it is for, for children to understand that this is, this is one moment in time one second in time where someone hit click it doesn't represent the person as a whole so them liking that lighting or that they're liking the light they're liking the filter they're liking the color of your hair but that's temporary who you are who your person is who you who are as a superstar is you and nobody can see that in that particular instant right so the 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 greater the variety of, of things that you're doing and showing and sharing, the more people will hopefully understand that you, it's you that people want to like, not your photo. That's wonderful advice for anybody on social media. Oh. <laughs> Ramita, how can people get in touch with you? Ah, very good question. So I have a website. I have all my email information there. I'm on social media um, as well. <laughs> so you can contact me on uh, LinkedIn uh instagram facebook uh you will find it on elevate-ra.com that's my website and all the information i think we probably can send that to parents as well on the email but um that slide had all the my contact information there and i'm be more than happy to talk to anyone okay that's fantastic thank you so much can you come back (laughs) can you come back Oh, yes, it's been such a pleasure. Of course, it's been so nice getting getting to know all of you and, and seeing the great work that you're doing. It's wonderful. And I think, like I said, it's all about sharing and working together is how we're going to make the difference we want. So, of course, I'd love to. And that's everything from us today. Thank you to all of you for joining in and being part of these very important conversations. I hope you will continue to support our cause by sharing the podcast to raise awareness with others. If you get a moment and could rate and review the podcast, I would also be hugely grateful. I'd like to extend a very big thank you to Ryan Prestipino from the Pine Studios for all the hard work that he does to help me bring this podcast to all of you. Until next time, stay well and speak soon. Bye for now.